Our scripture from this morning comes from two passages. The first coming from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, followed by Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And then from Colossians chapter 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in your rich dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to god and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him you may be seated Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Logan. It's good to see all your smiling faces this morning. I know it's a sort of a dreary day outside, but it doesn't need to be dreary in here as we worship our Lord. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning that you would quiet our hearts, that you would attune our spiritual ears to you and to your spirit to hear what you're saying to us this morning may other other things other uh, situations that vie for our attention may they be put behind us and may we just hear from you this morning in jesus name i pray amen several years ago ooh. Several years ago, there were a couple of items in the news that spoke to a lack of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. In fact, they were pretty much downright bad will toward men. In San Rafael, California, two men exchanged gifts and neither liked the, one, the gift that they were given. In the resulting fight, they each hit one another over the head with flower pots and both were hospitalized. And there was a woman in Victoria, British Columbia, who found a new use for the after-season Christmas tree. She was arrested for beating a man with it. The incident was sparked when the man grumbled that the load of gifts in his arms was heavier than the tree she was carrying. Do not start an argument with an angry woman wielding a used Christmas tree. <laughs> The theme for this Sunday of Advent is peace. And, and a key word in our thoughts on peace this morning is the word stop. The word stop. You see, peace takes time. It takes focus. It takes some spiritual exercise. Time is a funny thing. It's the only resource in which we as human beings all share equally. We have, we have different amounts of talent and, and wisdom and many other things, 
but we all have exactly the same amount of time, 24 hours a day. Now I know some of you will begin to protest, but my, my job takes up more time, more hours, or my kids or my business or my schoolwork take up more time. I, I really don't have as much time as other people. Well, sure you do. You've just chosen to fill it up with these or other activities. You may not have as much, quote, free time as some people, but even then, that goes back pretty much to the choices that you have made. I think we all have probably experienced the problem of trying to cram too much stuff into a small space. I'm sure you could check out some of our own closets at our house and, and discover that. This is often the same problem we have as we approach Christmas. There's just too much activity. There's just too many things to do and to tend to at this time of the year. And we try to cram it all in with everything else. And somehow along the way, we miss out on the peace that Jesus came to bring. In order to prepare our hearts for Christmas, in order to experience the peace that Jesus came to bring, we will probably need to stop doing certain things. In order to focus our hearts on the birth of Jesus Christ and all that that means in our lives and in our world, we may need to let go of some other things. Peace certainly plays a prominent role in the Christmas story. It comes with the voice of the prophet, as we read. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The prophecies which offered hope to the Jews living in darkness, the promise of the Messiah, that they all held in such anticipation, spoke of one who would bring peace, increasing peace, lasting peace, eternal peace, complete peace. We have every right to see Jesus Christ as the prince and the author of peace. We have every right as his followers to expect to find peace in him. In the Christmas story, it continues with the angels. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. We might look at this as a further refining of what the prophet said, a narrower definition. The prophet looked and saw not only the first coming of Jesus, but also the second coming. And, and what would follow it, and all of that kind of peace. But the angel speaks specifically of the peace that Jesus came to bring with his first coming. The Christmas wraps up with another voice, the message of Christmas, with another voice on peace. The one who was waiting with his eyes wide open, Simeon, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Many were, were waiting for the Messiah, basically all of the Jews, but many of them had closed eyes. They had stopped up ears. They weren't open to the voice of God. They weren't ready to accept a Messiah who was so different from their own preconceived ideas. So they missed out 
on the peace that Jesus came to give. There are, of course, different concepts and, and, and different definitions of peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And shalom is much more than the absence of, of war or, or even conflict. It comes from a root meaning, meaning to be complete, perfect, full. It includes wholeness, soundness, tranquility, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. Jack Hayford said, it is the wholeness that the entire human race seeks. Yet how many people find that kind of peace? Most are looking in the wrong place. They're looking in the things of this world, so they're going to come up empty. We only find this kind of, of well-being, this kind of peaceful relationship, when we are in relationship with God. The Jews saw shalom as a God-given thing. The Greek word has a much wider meaning, as does our English. It can refer to national tranquility, exemption from the rage and havoc of war. And this is how much of the world views peace, but it's a far cry from shalom. It can mean peace between individuals. Interpersonal peace is certainly very, very important, something that we would like to have in all of our relationships. It can also refer to, and I'm quoting here, the harmonized relationships between God and man accomplished through the gospel. The sense of rest and contentment that come with God. That is what we would call peace with God. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. And it also peace also means the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation with Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. And that is the peace of God. Now when Jesus came, he clearly said that wars and rumors of wars would continue and they would become even worse. He pointed to himself as a source of, of division and discord even within families. That a man's enemies will be the members of his own household because some would accept him and some would not. So those first two concepts of peace are certainly not what the angel was foretelling. However, peace with God is very much what the angel was talking about. We're told in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ had not come, if he had not reconciled us to God, through his, his birth and his death and his resurrection, peace with God would be impossible. It's the same with the peace of God. In John 14, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace of God springs from peace with God. And we experience that peace as we walk with Jesus, as we obey his teachings, as we walk in faith and in trust in him to supply all of our needs, and as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct in our lives. And of course, these verses speak to an inner peace, a peace in our heart, despite the troubles in the world, 
despite wars and, and violence and even interpersonal conflicts. Christ's peace is not about the absence of conflict or obstacles in our life. It's about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Let me repeat that again. It's about the presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives. There will always be troubles and disappointments and, and trials in this world, but they don't have to rule over us. They don't have to determine our outlook on life. They don't have to trouble our faith. Jesus has overcome the world, and it is in that and our relationship with him that we find peace. Instead of thinking of Christmas as a time to see how much we can cram into the schedule and then run around like crazy trying to, to take everything in and get everything done, we might want to view Christmas as a time for stopping. When Jesus was born, most of the world just kept right on going. And they missed Jesus completely. Those who did not miss his birth in one way or another stopped. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, stopped talking. It wasn't his choice. It was a gentle punishment for, for not believing that his, that his wife Elizabeth would have a son. But it may have provided a wonderful opportunity for him to reflect on the events going on around him. The wise men stopped. They didn't stop being wise men and suddenly go stupid. But whatever the wise men did back in their country, they stopped and made this multi-year progression to find this new king. Mary stopped. When Gabriel gave her the news that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God, she didn't just keep on going with her life. She stopped and she went off to Judea to visit Elizabeth. She took time to praise God. The angels stopped their normal activity in heaven and they came down to announce the birth of the Son of God. You've probably seen portrayals of heaven where like all of heaven is stopped and they're all looking down on the scene of Christ being born. And We don't have that particularly in scripture, but it's not hard to imagine that that might have been the way it was. The shepherds stopped. They stopped watching their sheep at least for a time to go and find the baby that they were told about. All of these participants in the Christmas story had to stop in order to be a part of it. Most important, even Jesus stopped. He gave up his place on the throne of heaven. He gave up the worship and the, the adoration of the heavenly bodies. Many years ago, Augustine wrote, Our Lord came down from life to suffer death. The bread came down to hunger. The way came down on the way to weariness. The fount came down to thirst. He so loved us that for our sake, He was made man in time, although through Him all times were made. He was made man who made man. He was created of a mother whom He created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy. He the word without whom all human eloquence is mute. What a wonderful way of putting the fact that Jesus stopped and he gave up all of that 
and he came down to be our Savior. There are some activities that we need to stop. Let me ask you a question. What's the difference between being told not to do something and being told to stop doing something? What's the difference between being told not to do something and being told to stop doing something? Yeah, if we have been told to stop doing something, that's an indication that we've been doing it all, all along. That it's something that we're prone to. So what do we need to stop? Well, we can start with some very basic things. In the New Testament, we're told to stop sinning, to stop doing wrong, to, to stop doing evil. And that's fleshed out in, in many different ways in the New Testament writings. There's no better time to claim victory over the sin that troubles your life. There, there's no better time to put them behind you than right now. Unconfessed sin will always put up a wall between us and God. So if we want to experience not only peace with God, but the peace of God, we need to break down that wall. We need to confess. And we need to seek to gain victory over sin. Second, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. It's said that Christmas is for children. That doesn't mean that we as adults have to, have to act childishly. As we heard in those opening stories, there's a lot of childish behavior that goes on at Christmas. There's a lot of, of self-centeredness. There's a lot of that I, I'm, I'm the center of my universe concept that we're told is part of the, the, the mindset of very young children. We can be childish about gifts, about celebrations, about decorations, about all kinds of things. We need to put others first in this season, to share with others, especially the hurting and the needy. We need to stop worrying. Does that sound familiar? We talked about that just a couple of weeks ago. We talked about, we looked at Matthew 6, 25 through 34 from the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to share with you again this definition of worry. Worry is a conscious choice people make to deal with problems in an ineffective way that implies the absence of a loving God. And we talked about the choking or the, the paralyzing nature of fear. At this time of year, we can worry about all kinds of things. We can worry about how we're going to get everything done. We can worry about whether we're going to find the right gifts for the kids. We're, we can worry about whether the cards get out and whether they go to the right people. We can worry about how we'll pay for it all. And we can worry about whether Uncle Earl and Aunt Matilda will duke it out at the family gathering again. We need to stop and focus on what Christmas really means. We also need to stop chasing the things of this world. Stop chasing the things of this world. In 1 John 2, 15 and 16, we read, Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, you show that you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and, and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. And I think this is a very real struggle for us at Christmas. I, I'm not really suggesting that we actually start loving the world, but we certainly get caught up in a lot of its nonsense. 
We can get caught up in the materialism. The gifts and the shopping and the buying and the spending that lead to January and February March billing depression and taking back the stuff we, we don't want to exchange it for stuff we don't need. We can get caught up in appearances. The lights, the cards, the trees, the decorations, and the clothes. Having everything in our homes just right, at least to outside observation. We can get caught up in all the food, the parties, the dinners, the family celebration, and that can take up all our time and energies. A lot of these things are not wrong in and of themselves. But when they consume us, when they divert our attention away from the meaning of the birth of Jesus Christ, then we need to stop and refocus on what's really important. Some of these things we may need to stop completely, not just in preparation for Christmas. There was a poor golfer who once asked golfing great Sam Snead to watch him play a part of a round of golf and then give him some suggestions. After watching him flail around the course for a couple of holes, Sneed's advice was this, lay off the golf for a couple of months, then give it up completely. <laughs> we may need to hear that same thing about some of the activities in our lives. What do you need to stop? What do you need to eliminate from your life for the season or for good in order to experience God's peace in your life? Maybe it's not something wrong. Maybe it's just something that gets in the way. If you're following the outline, there's a blank for you to write it down, or you can write it down somewhere else. But think about that for just a second. What do you need to give up in order to find peace with Christ? There are also some things that we should never give up, especially at Christmas. And let me again share some biblical examples. In Revelation 4.8, we read, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Don't stop worshiping. If we get our eyes off of all of the other stuff, there are some really awesome opportunities for worship around the Christmas season. There are dramas and, and kids' programs, music, candle lighting, all sorts of services, in addition to the normal worship that we should continue, that should continue to be a part of our lives. Take advantage of those opportunities. Make plans to attend those worship services that will direct your thoughts to Jesus Christ and to God's great love. Also, don't stop sharing Jesus with the world. We're told in Luke 2, 17 and 18, when the shepherds had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. This season of the year ought to provide even more opportunities for each of us to talk about what this season really means, to share the hope that we have in our hearts because Jesus came and became our Savior because of what He has done for us, because of how He has led us even in our own individual lives. Don't be shy about sharing that news. Don't be, don't be shy about letting people know that Jesus, who was born in the manger, 
is the savior of the world and the transformer of our lives. Look for opportunities. Seize them when they come. Be bold. Also, don't stop prayerfully giving thanks for God's blessing. Starting with the birth of his son. We just came through Thanksgiving. A day, and, and hopefully for us, more than just a single day. When we go out of our way to thank God, to recognize him for all the blessings that we have. Why back away from that as we celebrate the greatest gift, the greatest blessing that could ever be given? God's coming to earth to open the door to eternal life. If we could just continue with that attitude of thanksgiving, I think it would get us, it would keep us from getting caught up in the things of the world and the materialism that is so prevalent. As we read from Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude, with gratitude in your hearts to God. Don't let the Christmas season pass without making, making this grateful worship part of your celebration. Here, here again, the implication of not stopping is that we are already doing these things. So what do you need to continue? What do you need to build up? In what area do you need to be more intentional? Or, or let's be honest, what do you actually need to start that you're not even doing now? What do you need to put in place in your life in order to ex experience God's peace in this season? Again, there's a space in your outline. Or you can, you know, again, any paper you have, what do you need to put in place in your life in order to experience God's peace? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Unbelievers do all kinds of things. They go, they go to all kinds of extremes to try to find peace in this world. For us, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is our peace. He took it on Himself to make peace between us and God. And He calls us to walk with Him. He calls us to follow Him so that we might experience that peace daily in our lives. It's not really about effort. It's not really about achievement. It's about allowing the one who is our peace to have control in our hearts and in our lives. Let the peace of Christ, through his Holy Spirit, rule in your heart. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the peace that you came to bring. The peace that you make available to us. That you have, have broken down the wall between us, our God, and God. And if we simply accept you as Lord and Savior, we can find that peace with you. And that if we walk with you, and if we follow you, and if we allow you to, to rule and have your way in our lives, we can have the peace of God as well. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to take hold of that. 
to get rid of all the other things that get in the way of peace and allow you to rule in our hearts and lives and truly bring peace. In Jesus' name I pray.